You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin, the premier podcast for all things banking, payments, and fintech. Here are your hosts, Mike Townsend, Brian Romley, and Faisal Khan. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. I'm your host, Faisal Khan. This week, joining me all the way from Hong Kong is George Harrop. George is the CEO of a company called BitSpark, a remittance money transfer company that specializes in building an alliance network of money transfer agents, all the while using Bitcoin as its settlement mechanism at the back end. Good afternoon, George. How are you doing today? Hi, Faisal. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm coming to you today from Hong Kong. Very nice to have you here, sir. So tell me a little bit about yourself, George. How'd you get started? What's your background? How'd you come up to be starting? You know, how'd you get to the idea of starting BitSpark? Who else is involved? Give me a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. So uh, my name's George Harrop. Um, I run a company called BitSpark. Uh, BitSpark is headquartered in Hong Kong. We've been here for about two years now. Um, myself, my background, um, mainly tech. I I studied electronics engineering back in Australia. Uh, I am an Australian and uh, decided to, to come to Hong Kong with my co-founder, Maxine, uh, about two years ago in order to start BitSpark. So, um, so I've been in Bitcoin sort of a long time. I saw that there was an opportunity there to, to really make a difference in the world, especially in the, the case of remittances. And uh, yeah, I decided that um, I had to quit my job uh, and just get on a plane and go to Hong Kong and give it a go. So so that's really how the, the short story of how we got to, to where we are today. And you had no prior experience in remittances before? Correct, yeah. Um, I, it's from an engineering background that I came from, really. I had no prior experience in finance in general. Um, so, you know, uh, one of those people that when you see finance come on the news, you kind of just roll your eyes. I was one of those people. Um, but uh, I think, you know, through, uh, through learning about Bitcoin and currencies and trading and lending and how that all works, um, I really sort of got an appreciation for, uh, for I guess, the, the financial discipline, if, if that's what you can call it. Uh, and I guess from that, I saw that, you know, what a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, remittances and perhaps reducing friction there. And it's a really big problem um, that the fees are quite high around the world. And I really thought, you know, gee, there's, there's got to be a better way to, to try and solve this problem. And uh, why, don't, why don't I just give it a go? Surely, uh, you know, what have I got to lose? So literally you're telling me you're just sitting on the couch and one day you got the epiphany that you want to solve the world's money transfer fees problem. Was that it? Um, I guess you, you could say a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, I'd been, uh, I'd been using, I was one of the first people to get a Bitcoin miner that's all it did was mine it didn't do anything else so um i sort of i was interested in in the tech side of that but then i thought we well, you know what what can you do with this this currency what can you what, what how can i make use of it and well you can send it overseas and you can trade it for different currencies and hey what what if what if you make it easy to to trade between different currencies using this this medium uh called bitcoin um so i thought to myself hey you know what you know i think this is Perhaps this is uh, something that I should look at to, to see if we can we can utilize it for remittances or, or if there's if there's some opportunities there. So um so yeah, really I just sort of I just sort of an idea that just came to me uh, in remittances and uh, um, yeah I just sort of went from there. But you had no prior experience in like FX trading or money transfers or anything like that. No, no, nothing like that. I, I used to. Uh, 
uh, I used to look at uh, uh, engineering diagrams for for my job. Um, so uh, yeah, quite a big difference. So so tell me, George, how did you come up with the idea? I believe your co-founder is Maxine Ryan. She's also Australian. And how did you guys meet up and how did you decide to form a company? Yes, yeah, so about two and a half years ago, uh, back in Australia, um, I, I'd met Maxine as a housemate uh, back, in, uh, back in Canberra. She was studying at uh, ANU at the time, uh, university, uh, and she was about three months off graduating her degree in, in law. Uh, so... Uh, she was also from Hong Kong, um, and I said that I had this crazy idea to go and start this Bitcoin company, uh, and I think Hong Kong's a great place to do it. And she said that that sounds like a great idea. Uh, why don't we go and do it? So I said, great, let's uh, let's let's do it. Pack your bags. Uh, and then a couple of months later, we jumped on a plane and uh, arrived here to 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 pitch and uh, really sort of go in a co-working space and and live the the startup life. I guess that's how you get started, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what? Why Hong Kong? Why not UK? Why not um, Singapore? Why not you know I don't know Amsterdam? Yeah, I mean there, there's a couple of reasons. Um, so before I came, I thought that it had to be probably somewhere other than Australia at the time. Uh, the Bitcoin uh, legislation in Australia wasn't very uh, congruent to startups. Uh, they had a double taxation GST applied to Bitcoin, which uh, a lot of Bitcoin companies left Australia because of that and went to places like London. Um, so I thought, okay, well, it's probably going to have to be somewhere else. Um, and I thought that there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on the Asia Pacific region. Uh, there's a lot of potential there for uh, just improvements in finance in, in general. Um, you know, a lot of people use mobile phones yet they don't have bank accounts. Uh, and many of these people perhaps aren't exposed to the financial products which we had in Australia. So I thought definitely to focus on the Asia-Pacific region. Um, so the question then is, well, well, where do you go? And I could get off a plane in Shanghai and uh, try and start a business there, but it wouldn't be so easy. You know, I'd, I had only done a rudimentary uh, a Chinese at the time uh, back in Australia, so I certainly couldn't uh, navigate a, a company setup form or anything like that. So um, so, so China's a bit hard. Um, so then, you know, your next thoughts turn to, well, Hong Kong or Singapore. Um, and I decided on Hong Kong because it provided access to China was one thing. China was a big part of the Bitcoin market at the time. Uh, a lot of trading volume, a lot of interest, uh, and it was kind of like a gateway uh, place. The second re- uh, reason was uh, a friendly regulation towards Bitcoin at the time. Uh, so getting set up here, uh, there wasn't any special bit licenses or anything like that um, to, to really just sort of get uh, set up and go. Um, so that's a great positive. Uh, and the third thing was uh, there was some interest around uh, startup accelerators, incubators, um, with the government pushing a few things. Today, I'm talking to you from Cyberport, uh, which is a government uh, incubator program. And essentially, Cyberport gives startups free office space for two years and some money. Uh, to really get started. So I'm not going to get that back in Australia. So uh, certainly that helps. So if I'm going to pick anywhere, uh, that sounds like a good idea to me. So that's really why I decided to to come to Hong Kong of all places. So let's talk about your company, Bitspark. What does it do? Explain it to a layman. Explain it to like a five-year-old. Right. I guess the, the easy way to think of it is we build software for money transfer shops. Um, I, I think, yeah, that, that's a... a a good way to put it. Essentially, what Bitspark does is uh, we're a, a platform for the shops themselves. So these are these are places like your Western Union agent. Um, they're physical uh, stores. Generally, you know, maybe they have a few employees, maybe one to three employees. They're not mega corporations. They're usually run by like a mum and dad store or something, and they're essential to the uh, ecosystem really for remittances because uh, many people who are sending money overseas. Uh, especially in some of the countries in this region, they don't have bank accounts. Um, so how do you send money if you don't have a bank account? Well, you usually have to, to visit a physical shop and hand over cash in your pocket. So these money transfer shops are an essential part of remittances. And a lot of people perhaps, you know, forget about these shops. Uh, you know, they, they might come up with some newfangled app or, you know, a website, a fancy website or, or so on. But, um, not so much focus on the shops. So generally, these shops, like I said, they run Western Union, UAE Exchange, MoneyGram. Uh, they're, they're agents of these larger networks. 
And they um, constitute and the bulk of remittances in the world. Many people don't know that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, they do the bulk of remittances, um, yet there's not a huge focus, uh, you know, on them. So, we, I mean, ori- originally we came at it from the position, as perhaps many other people do, with, hey, why don't we do remittances ourselves? Why don't we have, um, you know, some shop front or some website and people can maybe log in or visit us and we can do remittances that way. Um, we, we did that for about four months, uh, four or five months, I think, um, when we first started. So back in uh, 2014. But, and that was great. You know, we, we undercut everyone. We used Bitcoin. We sort of proved the concept that you can put cash in one side and get cash out the other side and, and use Bitcoin as a means to transfer uh, that money. But what we saw was, you know what, we're, we're kind of competing with everyone else. Um, we're kind of in that space where we have to physically be there with shop overheads and rent and uh, all of these different things you have to consider when, when you, uh, uh, you know, start. And as a small startup with limited resources and limited people, uh, it, was, it was quite uh, taxing. So we thought maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe we can help the existing shops and provide them a better solution using our technology uh, that, that we came up with. So uh, essentially, that's how we got started. We started building a platform for the shops to help them send money better, cheaper, to more locations, um, but without them having to know anything about the technical stuff uh, about Bitcoin in the background. So two questions. What does your software do? Does it connect all these agents and enable them to exchange money amongst themselves? And the second thing is, where does the Bitcoin come into play? Correct. Yeah. So uh, it does connect agents between each other. Um, so right now you can go on to Bitspark uh, as a money transfer shop anywhere in the world uh, and sign up and become part of this agent network. Um, and essentially what that means is what we want to do is we, we want to be able to scale, um, but perhaps without necessarily needing to physically be ourselves in every single different region. Um, so if we needed to, to open in a new country, it would be much easier if we worked with an existing licensed agent that already exists there, already has the customers, the payment facilities, everything that's already there, um, and connect them into our network rather than us physically going there and trying to set something up. So essentially, we, we are the connector for all of these different agents all over the world uh, that can join BitSpark and send money between each other. And essentially, that comes to the next point, which is, well, how does this send money bit uh, happen? Well, um, as you know, Bitcoin is this digital currency that uh, you can use all around the world and it's traded in a bunch of different currencies. Um, so actually, as a, as a means to settle payments, it's very useful. Um, if, if we were to settle payments without Bitcoin, we would have to use the same model as everyone has used for decades, which is generally traditional banking, right? Yeah, traditional banking. Um, I can't settle individual transactions for $200. I have to bundle them up uh, and then maybe do like a $10 million transfer once a week and have some FX hedging and a whole bunch of infrastructure to manage that. that that's generally what happens, right? So, um, But with us, we can settle each individual transaction, I guess, individually. Uh, so even if it's $50, um, with the Bitcoin network, you can send $50 cost efficiently anywhere in the world. Um, so, so that's a real bonus. So we don't have all of the overheads and infrastructure. So essentially what we're doing is we're converting currencies, fiat currencies to Bitcoin and then Bitcoin to the fiat currency at the other end uh, and doing that trade. It's fair to say that you're making an alliance, something like a Western Union, except here the agents are bringing their own licenses rather than you providing it and the last mile. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so it's using the existing systems that are already in place, uh, existing licenses, existing payment facilities. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, when you go to different countries, you have to be aware of different payment systems. And in some places, maybe everyone, for example, in Indonesia, a lot of people collect money from post offices, um, whereas in the Philippines, it's, uh, it's usually corner stores. Uh, in Australia, it's banks. Uh, so... If you were to try and do that yourself, you'd have to be familiar with all of these different payment mechanisms. But we thought perhaps a better way is to uh, connect the people who already know and understand their local market. They already have the connections and, uh, and really sort of uh, leverage that. I mean, the biggest advantage I can see immediately is that, you know, if I am a small shop in Hong Kong doing MSB transfers, 
I may be connected to one, two, maybe three markets. And if I join an alliance, I suddenly have access to a whole lot of markets. Uh, so I, is that is that one of the premise of your uh, startup? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's all about um, being able to, to really scale that. So, you know, if, if I'm someone in Hong Kong that connects to, to Bitspark uh, and someone else in, uh, in Colombia uh, connects as well, then effectively, you know, we can route transactions between those two MTOs. So now uh, those MTOs get exposed to a whole new network, a whole new uh, source of customers or a source of payments and essentially revenue. Um, for the MTOs as well. So let, let, let's take an example to get a better uh, handle on this thing. I'm an MTO in Hong Kong. There's an MTO in Manila. How, and they're both members of Bitspark. How does the Bitcoin come in? So let's say someone is wanting to transfer a 1,000 Hong Kong dollars to Manila. How does your Bitspark come into play? And, and specifically, where exactly does the Bitcoin element come into play? Yeah, so both of those MTOs uh, would have a balance with Bitspark. And, uh, and, it, and that let's balance say would be yeah, in traditional fiat? Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so they would pre-fund their account. So, so we're not uh, giving anyone credit or extending any, any loans or anything like that. So you have to pre-fund it. Um, so that would be in traditional fiat. And let's say it's $1,000 or 1000 Hong Kong dollars. Uh, and then somebody walks up to a shop in Hong Kong. They have $100 in their pocket. Uh, they want to, to send money to Manila. Uh, what happens is that balance uh, that's in the Hong Kong uh, MTO, so $1,000, is reduced by 100 so 900 And what we do with that $100 is we convert it into Bitcoin. We send the Bitcoin uh, and essentially trade it instantly, um, so lock in a price, in uh, pesos. So Hong Kong dollar Bitcoin, Bitcoin pesos. Uh, and then with that, uh, we can then, through our network at the other end, uh, settle that uh, peso transaction to bank accounts or corner stores or whoever it may be. Uh, so, so the MTO at the other end uh, knows that the pesos will be there because we've sent it, we've uh, converted it, um, it's, it's in their account, uh, and they can be happier to distribute the physical cash to the person who comes and picks it up at the other end. So you're, uh, am I correct to assume that you have bank accounts in all the territories that you're operating in because that's how they will be prefunding it? So we have bank accounts in a number of key different uh, different territories. They're not necessarily in country, um, but uh, but I guess the main thing is we we need the currencies themselves. I think that's the important thing because we want to. If an MTO puts uh, you know his local currency uh, into his account, he wants to hold that local currency. We need to maintain that value. So uh, the easiest way is to have uh, accounts that are in denominated in the local currencies. So. Yeah, the, the short answer is we have uh, bank accounts in a lot of different places, not so much in-country, some in-country, some out-of-country. Um, but as long as we have, have those, uh, those uh, key currencies, that's the so main thing. So it's the back-end settlement that you're doing via Bitcoin because that is traversing borders almost immediately and you're settling into the accounts, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so the actual payment of Bitcoin happens pretty much instantly. Uh, and then it really depends to actually get your cash out the other end. It depends on how you're going to pick it up. Uh, so if it's a bank, then we might be subject to domestic bank transfers, which generally uh, in most markets take about a day, um, uh, if, if not longer sometimes. But generally for us, it's same day or, or within a day for banks. Or if it's a corner store, it could be three hours. Um, it, it could even be less. So, um, yeah, the Bitcoin part's done quickly and then it's onto the traditional rails to so you're not touching the last mile. The last mile is the same. It's that in-between section that people don't see the back office settlement. That's, that is where you are basically. That's where BitSpark is truly shining. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So brings me to another question from a legal perspective. You are touching the money, correct? So uh, our money transfer shops have a balance with us, Correct. Um, but we are not interfacing directly with the individual customer who is who is sending it. So it, does that does that require you to be licensed? It really depends on the jurisdiction. Um, here in Hong Kong, it's it's not the case, um, it, and in other jurisdictions, it, it really depends. I mean, essentially, our customers are licensed money transfer operators already. So 
they have to adhere to whatever guidelines are part of their license. So if that if that is, you know, who are you attending to? Who, who is the, the recipient details? What's the bank account number? We have to store that. You know, that's all provided by our platform. Um, it's really BitSpark is dealing with the money transfer shops themselves. So we're one stage divorced from the actual remittance transaction. One would argue you are still touching the money. And when, you know, in, in the world of money transfers, if you touch the money, you're required to be licensed. Fine, you may be exempted it from a Hong Kong perspective. But as you want to grow your network and extend into other markets, would that not be the case? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's a it's a market by market sort of case. Uh, so certainly in the U.S., um, you know, it, it would uh, most likely come under the necessity to have an MSB license. Um, so currently we don't uh, we don't have customers or, or deal with with the U.S. market. Um, but I think, it, yeah, in order to grow, uh, we've really got to be careful about where we look uh, to grow first as well from a licensing perspective. At present, what markets are you covering and what markets do you plan to cover? So at the moment, we're covering uh, Hong Kong to Philippines, Indonesia and Vietnam. So so that's our real sort of focus for now. Uh, we've recently signed a deal with a listed company in Malaysia. Uh, so uh, generally, Malaysia will be our next market. Uh, and really sort of after that, we're, we're looking to other sort of key remittance destination countries or, or sender countries that send to um, you know, places within our network. So for example, there's a lot of a lot of people in Singapore that also send to the Philippines and Indonesia. Um, uh, there's a lot of people in Dubai, um, in the UAE, that also send to Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia. Um, so we're sort of focused on the markets that make sense for us. So right now, uh, it's really sort of Southeast Asian focused. And what's your revenue model? Are you taking a, let's say, a slice of the transaction? Yes, uh, yes, we do. So generally. In the money transfer world, there's two ways that you monetize a transaction. Uh, one is with the FX rate that you give someone. Um, so maybe the money transfer shop or, or the platform provider who provides the services to the shop takes a bit of a fee on that. And then there's also the flat fee um, that the shops can charge as well. So what we do is we give our shops the best rate that we can um, and we don't take anything of that. So generally, that best rate is uh, is very competitive, um, pretty close to the FX spot rate um, for for currencies globally. Uh, that's just calculated purely via Bitcoin. And then how we monetize is through the flat fee. So we take fifty uh, percent of whatever uh, a money transfer shop would charge. So if the shop charges ten dollar flat fee, uh, then we would take five dollars, and the shop would get five dollars. And I guess I, I should add as well, this is in contrast to the existing um, sort of uh, the free payment channels. Model. Sorry? Well, Which is the free send model, you know, not charging any money for it. Well, there's always a cost that someone has to pay. Oh, of and course. There's, there's that goes without yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're either paying through a very large FX margin or something or the other, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you know, our shops are incentivized not to set it too high because nobody will use their service. And not too low because they won't make any money. Um, and generally, the shops at the moment, they don't get a good deal from their platform providers. In most cases, uh, the platform provider will charge them 80% of whatever, they, uh, of whatever they charge their customers. So with BitSpark at 50-50, they make a lot more money every single time they, they transfer. Is the payout immediate? I mean, if someone is wanting to send money from Hong Kong to Manila, is that transaction real-time? Um, if it's to another BitSpark shop at the other end, yes, then yes, we can do it. Let's assume that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, then in that case, yes, it would be pretty much real time. Um, however, if we're using existing rails, then yeah, there's, there's time taken with that. The prices of remittance fees are going down. You know, Generally, if you see the trend, they're going down. And, and Bitcoin companies that have entered into the remittance space are finding it more and more difficult. And I think one of the reasons they're finding it more difficult is because they're trying to alter the last mile rails onto Bitcoin, which you haven't done and I think is a great thing. As long as you don't disturb the last mile, it's all about the last mile. Uh, yeah. you, know, you can make money. But with that added pressure of pricing going down how do you compete do you think there is enough volume over there for you to make money 
Yeah, so I mean, it's an interesting question. You know, remittance um, you know, transactions are already in these in these key corridors like Hong Kong or Singapore. They're very competitive, or, right? Very competitive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So fees are, are pretty low if you know where to look, and certainly on the World Bank statistics, uh, they they don't go to the most competitive places uh, on there. So um, I think in many regions, it's it's more competitive than people think. Uh, but I think you know, for us, is we are we, we're not trying to to change the model like you said that the last mile we're not trying to enforce a, a new payment model on people we're just using whatever people already use so whatever the shops charge a uh, bitspark will be there with them um, the shops will always want to remain profitable uh, so maybe we see global fees for remittances in 10 years time settle to perhaps three percent um, and that's what's sort of would be generally regarded as still able to operate a profitable business. We're not there yet. because uh, uh, credit cards charge 3%, right? So we are, we are accustomed to paying 3% on a transaction. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think from a money transmitter sort of perspective, 3% is, is kind of reasonable because um, there are a lot of costs involved in money transfers. You know, as you know, there's all sorts of different compliance things. It depends on what jurisdiction you're in. Uh, um, you know, you have different physical overheads of rent and and that sort of thing. So they're going to have to charge it in some way, in some capacity. And I think um, we will approach a level which perhaps it uh, it will sort of settle at. Um, but yeah, we're not there yet. Um, and it's still going to take a long time to get there. Are you live in any market right now? So we're currently rating on some final approvals uh, in Hong Kong. We've been beta testing uh, with five different shops here in Hong Kong. Uh, we also have another 18 different shops that have uh, expressed interest in being part of Bitspark when we're ready. Um, but we're also live online. So, um, so, so, uh, so people- when you say you've beta tested, I mean, it, you mean actual running of the product with, uh, as you had envisioned, right? Correct. Yeah. So actual live transactions, uh, sending money. Yeah. And what's the result been like? Well, the uptake's been, been very positive. I, I think, um, from my discussions with the customers, they essentially, they, they just want really two things. It's what's your rate and where can I send to? Um, that's, that's what the customers care about. So we don't bother telling them anything about the Bitcoin stuff. It's not important how it works in the back end. Uh, to be honest, customers don't really care. They just want to get their money there and they want to see that it gets there you know, cost effectively and, and they're going to make money. Um, so they've been very positive uh, in that. And you know, from... From our testing, we've got some great feedback to improve the platform, to make it something that people actually want to use. Um, so we've added a whole bunch of different features of reporting and, uh, and analytics that the customers want. And they're like, you know what? It's, our other platform does this. Why can't you? So we're like, well, yeah, actually, you know, we can. So, so let's do it. But let me ask you a question. You know, when you go to a, a mom and pop you know, money transfer shop, is trust an issue for them to give them for them to give money to you and say, okay, fine, you know, here, hold on to my ten thousand dollars and I'll work with you? Yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, that yeah, you have to obviously prove that you're trustworthy. And I think there's a couple of ways uh, that you can do that. The first is recommendations certainly help. Um, so, in fact, this week or maybe later today, we'll be unre- unveiling our our referral program online. So. Uh, you'll be able to refer other other people and essentially other businesses uh, to BitSpark. So that certainly helps when you have someone who you know and trust who's referring uh, a product to you. So that, that's the first step. The second step is, as a business, when we've approached uh, different people, yeah, it's something which the first question is, well, who are you? Why are you in my store? Uh, what is this? Um, but I guess we sort of get over that and we go, well, look, you know, we're, we've proven ourselves. We're part of a government-run incubator We've run a number of international awards. We've been recognized by a number of different banks. Um, so, you know, we're, we're certainly not going to disappear tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're in the media quite often, so uh, that, that you can put a face to a name. Um, but I think referrals, uh, you know, previous history, and really sort of just getting them on board to, to try it. Um, if you can just try a couple of transactions, see what you like. It doesn't cost you anything, so you might as well. Um, it sort of grows from there. And are you going to like the money transfer associations and, you know, educating them about your product? Um, not just yet. Uh, it's something that, yeah, I think we, we will reach out to them in due course. I think at the moment we really want to perfect uh, everything about, um, you know, what, what we're offering. 
uh, and then absolutely, you know, go to the money transfer uh, associations and, and meet with sort of different industry players. And we've we've done a few different, uh, been at a few different industry conferences talking about Bitcoin and how it works, uh, but uh, haven't actively reached out to to many of the associations yet. So tell me about some of the conferences you've been to. I, I understand you've won a couple of awards as well, right? Yeah, so last year we won um, the, the Asia leg of the InnoTribe startup competition, which essentially is, is run by Swift. So um, Swift have this uh, startup um, fintech uh, innovation lab where people from around the world apply, startups from around the world apply, a certain number gets selected, uh, they go on pitch. If they win, they go to the Cybos, uh, which is the Swift, literally the biggest banking conference in the world. Yeah, happens um, which once is, a year on every different continent. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so we won the the Asia leg, uh, and we uh, did very well in the in the finals. We didn't quite win on the day, but uh, but we certainly got a lot of great feedback from that. So, um, so yeah, we did well at Cybos. Um, we've won. We've been part of the Accenture uh, fintech accelerator here in Hong Kong. Uh, that's that's also been great talking to to the financial uh, sector banks mainly um, and we've FST media we've, we've we've won that award we've been recognized by Citibank and Goldman Sachs and KPMG and some of their reports so it's been great to, to get some positive coverage from a number of different places when do you go live when do you go when do you get out of your beta what are you waiting for let me ask well, at the moment, uh, we're we're waiting for some final legal approvals on uh, just uh, the documentation between us and our money transfer shop. So once we get the sign off from that, then we're good to go. Uh, we're also raising a, a funding round at the moment to support uh, our growth in Hong Kong, but also our recent uh, Malaysia uh, deal as well. So so that's something that we want to support. We want to um, you know so be how, able to, how much to grow are you looking to raise? Uh, at the moment, we're raising five hundred k. And, um, yeah, essentially this is going towards, uh, you know, the, the growth of the product and, uh, and, and supporting you'll be, some... And you'll be self-sufficient after that? Well, uh, I think there probably will be some other fundraising on the horizon to perhaps grow to new markets. Uh, like I mentioned, the U.S., you know, there's quite a bit of uh, compliance uh, stuff that we have to do there if we want to enter that market. So um, that will probably re- require another raise. But for us right now, we're just focused on on the core markets that we know, and uh, that's Southeast Asia. It's, it's funny you mentioned the U.S. Do you plan to go there sometime and then get licensed in that in that territory? Um, it's not something that we're actively pursuing at the moment, to be honest. Um, we do know that uh, there, there are quite a lot of costs involved uh, in, in doing any sort of money transfers in the U.S., so it's perhaps something that we want to approach at a later stage once we've really sort of built up our base here in a few key countries, uh, then we might look to, to go to the U.S. But it's not something um, we're really looking at or considering immediately. Maybe the U.K. or the E.U. before that? Possibly, yes. We've had a few uh, you know, different uh, shops approach us from there, and, and there's some interest there. Um, like, for example, you know, the Netherlands has quite a lot of uh, Indonesian uh, uh, migrants and workers and diaspora. So, um, so yeah, there, there's some interest there. Have you faced any resistance in certain markets where your model is not very well understood by the regulator? Um, well, we've we've been speaking to the regulators as much as we can, um, and I think what it boils down to is a lot of the regulators, at least uh, in the Asia region and Hong Kong, Singapore, China. I mean, they know of of Bitcoin, they know of blockchain, uh, the technology behind it. Um, they know that it's, in general, uh, it's it's an innovative new mechanism for, for doing payments. They're interested, um, but I think at the moment they're still sort of taking a, a wait and see attitude towards it. So, what um, about so uh, what about Bangladesh or India or Pakistan or Nepal? Um, we haven't approached the regulators in those uh, regions yet, so we're interested to see what happens there. From my knowledge, I mean, I, I know there's a bit of uh, Bitcoin uh, take up in some of those markets, which is great to see, uh, but it's not anything huge like it is in China or anything like that at the moment. So I think there's a lot of potential there to grow, actually. Mm-hmm. And do you plan to take your product as um, I mean, it, you will still always be a SaaS company, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, definitely. Do you plan to go retail directly? 
Um, it, it's not a focus for us right now. I think we really, we, we've kind of done the retail thing and we did our, our market research on the ground and, and yeah, really sort of, it's hard. <laughs> um, it, it's hard reaching out to, to sort of individual customers and, um, and trying to, to maintain large networks and that sort of thing. It's much easier if we just focus on um, just the business customers who already have active people going to their shops, wanting to send money. Um, so it makes more sense for us to focus on that. I mean, as you expand more and more, I see you turning into, for lack of a better word or example, an earth port for Bitcoin settlements at the back end. Would that be a correct statement? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you could, yeah, you could, you could say that. Yeah, essentially it's, it's a back end transfer mechanism uh, that's not changing anything that people have to know about money transfers. They still go to a shop, they still get a rate, they still get a receipt. Um, and they still go to the shop that they know and trust. It's just that really behind the scenes, there's a lot of other stuff, uh, you know, happening with, with Bitcoin and transfers. So yeah, Earthport, uh, currency cloud, those sorts of mechanisms, but with a, with a focus on, uh, you know, developing countries or, or currencies that are, that are hard to, to navigate already. Um, you know, so, so that's really sort of our, our focus. And do you plan to go into the B2B space? Well, you are essentially B2B, but I mean, true B2B. Um, it possibly, uh, you know, we, we have, we have a lot of companies coming to us that are, are saying, you know, can we do this corridor? Can we send here? Um, and that there is interest there. B2B transfers are huge, uh, around the world. I'm not sure of the specific numbers, but, uh, they may even be quite a bit larger than the 600 billion or from the oh, world bank. Uh, the B2B um, transfer market. Let me give you some form of semblance. The, oh, remitt- <laughs> the remittance market is six hundred billion. The B two B market yearly is b- between twenty three and twenty eight trillion dollars. Wow! Yeah. So there you go. Huge difference. <laughs> Huge. Imagine six hundred versus twenty three thousand billion. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah. l- let me ask you, from, from what worries you at night? I mean, are you legally responsible for the transaction? How do you handle that aspect? I mean, if you're, if you're touching the money, because you are touching the money, there's no doubt about that. How do you uh, exclude yourself from a transaction that is flagged or a transaction that is, you know, that could get you into trouble? How do you, what's your mechanism in BitSpark to isolate yourself from such uh, risky transactions? Yeah, so I guess there's a few things. Uh, the first thing is that we do some of our own uh, transaction screening according to uh, some of the guidelines in Hong Kong. So generally, um, that is looking for suspicious transactions, multiple transactions to the same vendor, perhaps just below some threshold. Um, you know, they're sort of easy to, to look for. Um, we've also uh, integrating with a couple of AML, KYC uh, c- compliance companies that generally that's all they do is, is compliance. Um, and through their APIs, we can uh, essentially do a lot of very, uh, you know, interesting and, and low-cost things for, for uh, verifying the identity of people, identity of businesses, um, and the validity of transactions, the accounts that they're sending to. Some of these requirements, which, you know, you have to do as a, as a licensed uh, a money transfer shop anyway, um, we're, we're integrating uh, or have integrated into our platform already. So I think that that's one thing, the, the, the different... Uh, aspects that we have to look at from a compliance perspective that keeps me up at night. I think the other thing as well, like any Bitcoin company, uh, you know, security is always something that, that you have to be aware of. Uh, so, so yeah, security, uh, providing uh, s- secure storage of data and customer data as well is very important. Um, so they're sort of what we're, what we're focusing on every day. How big is your team? At the moment, we have uh, seven people. Um, so just myself, my co-founder here in Hong Kong, and our tech team is actually in Ukraine. So on the other side of the world. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And are you expanding your team in the coming months? Um, y- yes, I-, I think that that's on the cards. We have uh, we're looking to expand our sales here in Hong Kong, so that will necessitate um, so, some more salespeople. Uh, support also very important um, for for scaling up. Uh, so, yeah, generally sales and support is something with, that we're looking at. So it's all about selling the product very soon. So on the roadmap, what do you have in place? Let's say over the next one year. Well, certainly in the next one year, we want to – we're target of 40 money transfer shops in the next 12 months. So 12 months from now, uh, we'd like in, to have uh, – 40 in Hong Kong only or uh, around the world? 
Uh, in Hong Kong, um, but if we can if we can reach that number quicker from around the world, fantastic. Um, so really, it, it, it's it's Hong Kong focused at the moment. But isn't uh, so, so that but that's, isn't forty a very small number for the next one year? It is. Uh, it, it yeah, it, it's pretty conservative. Um, we I mean I, I we've looked at the numbers. And there's three thousand money transfer shops in Hong Kong, so there there's a lot of, of scope. And even if we captured you know one percent of that. Uh, you know, that's uh, it's still quite a number of shops. So um, so we think that we can do a lot better than that. Um, but for now, we're just sort of focusing on, on what we can do with a small team. I was literally myself, my co-founder, uh, you know, doing sales um, and among many other things. Um, so I think, yeah, if we can if we can reach that number, that'd be great. Mm, so it is hitting the pavement and going and knocking on doors and doing sales the old fashioned way, right? Well, yeah. And I. And it's an interesting point because many of these shops, you know, they're not online. They don't have a website. Um, they're, they're not on some app. They're not on Yelp. Um, generally, the only way you know about uh, physical money transfer shops is if you just walk past them, you know, in a street or an alleyway or, or something like that. So they have no market exposure. So how do you reach these customers? So in the most case, you know, we, have to, we have to go there. Um, we have to, to, to physically go and meet them. And I, I think... Um, longer term, the referrals process will certainly help out with that respect uh, in that, you know, we can perhaps meet one store and they can introduce us to three more uh, without us having to physically go there. So, so that's, that's an important thing. But I think also what we're trying to bring is we're trying to get these shops online and really, you know, not only route transactions to them, uh, but provide them a, a better online presence. So I think, you know, longer term, we want to create a community and we want to be a central location for shops to, to, to sort of come to or, or discuss. We'll be rolling out a, a forum very soon uh, online. So currently there, there's no discussion of, of remittances. There's no real general hub, um, you know, for remittance to, uh, data or statistics or, or discussions. It's kind of a bit scattered all over the place. So perhaps we could be that, that connector um, and sort of, yeah, bring uh, many of these shops in front of more customers, essentially. So you've been in this business two years now. Is that correct? Yeah, just over two years now. And how's the journey been like? Well, uh, it's been uh, it's been up and down. Yeah, every day is up and down. Um, yeah, there's there's good things, there's bad things, as it is with any startup. Um, but I think you know we're getting there. We, we've we've uh, we've found a product which people want and people really like. Uh, we found a great niche. Um, you know, we're not just some website um, that's doing money transfers. Um, we're focused on helping shops uh, serve their customers better, essentially. And there's not really that many people actively involved in, in doing that. So uh, we've we found something that we can focus on. So um, we're, we're happy to, to continue having the up and downs, you know, as we go. Um, but I think, you know, as we grow, grow our, our networks and, and perhaps roll out uh, our Malaysia uh, thing later on this year, then... Um, yeah, and hopefully there's more ups than downs after that. <laughs> so what what's the competition landscape like? Give me a, give me some idea. Well, I mean, the competition are the people that we're competing against are the platforms with the, the shops already used. So that's MoneyGram, it's Western Union, it's uh, generally regional specific things as well. Um, I'll give you an example here in in Hong Kong. Many of the shops run say five different platforms, um, and that's just because they need to reach. Five different payment avenues. I mean, you, uh, so, when you say five different platforms, surely you're not saying MoneyGram and Western Union at the same time, right? I'm not. I mean, perhaps there's some of that going on, but because, generally, you know, you know, the funny thing is that very recently Spain started with this thing. So the exclusivity contracts that MoneyGram and Western Union and RIA had are now no longer. The government has made it, you know, has lifted that thing that uh, has rather put a, a law in that says, you know, you can't have exclusivity. Uh, so now, uh, if you go to Barcelona and you go to a money transfer shop, you'll see a Western Union sign along with a MoneyGram sign, same shop. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a similar thing here in that you generally have a lot of different platforms, not so much Western Union or MoneyGram, but more for, say, post offices in, in, in Indonesia or corner stores in the Philippines or banks in Vietnam. And that's an individual uh, platform for every single uh, specific use case. So in order for a shop to target, you know, their customers, they generally have to integrate with a whole bunch of different different people. 
Um, but in so your case, wouldn't that be one more setup? Well, um, it is asking them to, to have one more system added. Um, however, A, that system makes them a lot more money every time they transfer. Uh, and B, then we also get access to all of the different payment providers which they have access to. And we can route transactions uh, through them. So for us to, to expand to a lot of different existing cash-out networks, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty simple to do uh, in that as long as we get lots of money transfer shops on board who have access to these avenues, then, then we can start you know, routing transactions there. So we're not telling everyone to, to move uh, on day one all of their transactions to Bitspark, but, uh, but I think it's more of a gradual thing as well. You know, as people get used to it, they use it more. So I think you've given me the analog answer, which is, you know, what's happening on the analog space. How about in the digital space? Competition in the digital space, specifically from Bitcoin or Bitcoin-related companies. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot more interest in Bitcoin uh, for Rebitzers these days than there was a couple of years ago. Um, and there's some great companies around the world um, that, uh, that are doing sort of remittances. I think many of them are focused on Bitcoin in cash out. Um, and many of these companies, you know, are part of, you know, some of our partners as well. So, so they're happy that we solve the fiat to Bitcoin problem for them um, and, and integrate with them for the Bitcoin to fiat at the other end. Um, so that's an essential payment rails as well uh, that, that these guys provide. But at the end of the day, um, Bitcoin to cash out is you still need customers knowing what Bitcoin is. They still need to acquire it in some way. And I think that is still something which hasn't been solved easily enough yet. Uh, you know, there's ATMs around which you can put cash in and get Bitcoin in about 15 seconds. Um, but there's not really that many ATMs. And how else are you going to do it? Maybe you need a credit card. Uh, maybe you need to learn how to trade on an exchange and get verified in the exchange and you know, take two weeks to, to understand how, how that works. So there's still a barrier to entry there. Um, so, yeah, essentially, I think that there's a lot of companies that are focusing on uh, providing that back end, which is great in the different regions around the world. I think there's scope for 10 times more Bitcoin companies than there is currently, uh, you know, doing this. Um, so th that's great. Uh, but I think there's still the, 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 big, the onboarding aspect of getting the Bitcoin in the first place, which needs to be worked on. Um, and then there's a couple of other a uh, couple of other solutions, you know, peer-to-peer -peer payment apps uh, out there, which, I mean, I'm, I'm not sold on them, to be honest. So, uh, you know, there's, there's companies like Abra in the US. Uh, essentially, these companies are saying, well, uh, we can link you with a bunch of people at one end uh, and a bunch of people at the other end, um, and they're your onboarding and offboarding mechanisms. Human However, ATMs. Human ATMs, exactly, which I think sounds great, but when you actually go there uh, and, and talk to someone on the ground and say, hey, um, there's this little dot on your GPS map of some guy by the side of the street. Do you want to go and give him some money and, and do some transfers with them? And generally the answer will be, no thanks, I'll go to the shop which I know and trust. Um, and then let, let's, let's run with it logically. Let's just say that people want to go and visit the guy by the side of the street. Um, Let's say that that guy by the street starts doing hundreds, maybe thousands of transactions. Is he going to be managing those transactions with a button, uh, an app which has three buttons? Uh, and even if he is, then that's going to, to take some, uh, some regulatory attention. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day... That, that's the main thing. The regulatory aspect, many people are not looking at. I mean, fine, it may be convenient, but then I have issues with trust and I have issues with security. But the regulatory point of view, I'm sure the regulator is going to you know, raise an eyebrow. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, maybe that guy by the side of the street, he has to go and uh, get a license. And then because he needs a license, he can't just use a basic app. He has to use something which keeps track of the compliance details of his customers and checks their ID and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, that guy ends up just using Bitspark at the end of the day anyway. Um, so I think, you know, P2P apps are, are a great addition to the remittance scene, but I don't think they're a solution. Hmm. Well, George, in conclusion, what else, what would you like our listeners to know? Any message you would like to give them? And secondly, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, well, you can get in touch with us at our website at bitspark.io and uh, you can send, send us an email at info at bitspark.io. 
uh, that'd be great. We're happy to answer any questions you might have. Certainly, you know, sign in, uh, have, have a look at the account, see if it's something that you're interested in, uh, if you are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would implore people to perhaps just, um, just investigate a bit more um, some, of the, some of the issues around remittances and, um, you know, when people say that they're too expensive or that, uh, you know, currency fair or transferwise, P2P payments in the future, well, they might be, um, but in, in some circumstances, in fact, the majority of circumstances, it might not be. So I think just be aware of some of these other systems and really sort of appreciate the money transfer shops that are out there. They're doing it every day. Um, and yeah, they, they have customers and uh, they, they need everyone's support. So <laughs> I, I think that would be my message is really uh, see if, uh, continue to support the, the money transfer shops that are out there. Well, good on you, sir. It's been very nice to have you on board, George. Uh, we'll have this episode up and running and all the best for your startup and hope to hear more about BitSpark in the coming months. No worries. Thank you very much for having me, Faisal. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.